All three Beards Media podcasts originate from the Gravitate Coworking Studio, sponsored by Revelton Distilling Company. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Hawkside View. I'm Andrew Barber with my uh, co-host here, Drew Shipley. I'm also co-hosting. Uh, thanks as always to Three Beards, all our sponsors. We're back, baby. And uh, wow, um, Drew said, who the heck are you <laughs> when I, I got on tonight? And I, if you're scared, I, I'm sorry. I apologize to all of you if you're scared, but I'm a brand new man. And uh, feeling good about it. So, yeah, yeah I'm kind of curious what Chris and Aaron would have to say. Uh, they jokingly say that they fire and rehire us back on a, on almost a daily basis. So I wonder what I, I wonder how they feel about this change. Let, let me ask you, Andrew. What? What? Why the change? Is is this is this a, is this a girlfriend <laughs> preference? Is this something that you made a decision on your own? What? What's Let's just spill the beans while we're right here. Completely my own decision. I just, the beard was getting a little scratchy, a little itchy, and just in general annoying to me. And uh, it was feeling like spring here in Iowa, and it probably will feel like spring going forward. And so I decided to just freshen everything up for for spring. And the beard was getting a little unruly, man. Like it wasn't very well kept and, you know, I have a chance to start fresh and uh, keep keep it up a little bit nicer and take a little bit better care of my beard this time around. So uh, it's it's a privilege to have a beard, and yeah, you have to take better care of it. And I just wasn't taking the care proper care of it that I should be. So <laughs> what what do they say? Pressure is privilege. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Caitlin Clark say that, or Lisa Bluter say that. I've I've heard like. Seven people say it in like the last two weeks. It's been kind of weird, but who knows where it came from? But yeah, that's a good saying. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. I like it. Uh, speaking of Caitlin Clark, Lisa Bluter, and company, we really do have to start the show with uh, this women's basketball team. And you were in Maryland. You did some awesome work in putting together photos and video clips on Friday night from the Chad Lysico event. And, um, uh, Brian Ray was there as well, and um, maybe someone else that I'm forgetting was there. Chad Lysico, Brian Ray, and no, no, you, no, no, you got it. No, you got it covered. Those, those were the two main guys uh, at the breakfast on Saturday morning. Actually, okay. Uh, they uh, the the Capital Area I Club represent right here, Carver Hawkeye East. That's um, <laughs> uh, so they did a whole bunch of. Uh, events over the weekend. They did a Hawkeye huddle Friday night down at Tom's watch bar in, in DC, just outside of Nats park. 
that was pretty cool. There was probably, there was at least a hundred people there, Andrew. And then uh, the breakfast was uh, equally as good of a turnout uh, with Chad and Brian there. Uh, did a lot of Q&A. They had a moderator from the Iowa club kind of uh, back and forth. And then, uh, you know, the crowd got to ask a few questions as well, including myself. So stay uh, stay tuned in to Twitter and Facebook. We, we got some clips of, of some questions out there that were pretty interesting uh, to hear the answers of from from Brian and Chad. So yeah. um, we'll, we'll push those out over the weekend, I'm sure. But uh, stuff like Carver Hawkeye renovation, uh, Mount Rushmore of Iowa athletics, uh, kind of kind of some topics like that, Andrew, that we kind of talked about there at the breakfast. Really interesting conversation because, you know, last time we were here, Andrew, I was asking what exactly can we do about Carver Hawkeye? Oh, Chad, yeah. Chad has some ideas. So uh, you'd be mm-hmm. interested in hearing that uh, that response because uh, I actually asked that question <laughs> while right. we were here live. So, um, yeah, we'll get that pushed out sometime this weekend. But. It was, it was just a great event all around. And then, you know, I've never seen – I don't know if I've taken part in any college basketball game, any basketball game actually, because I've been to several pro games too. Mm-hmm. Quite like that atmosphere in Maryland in College Park. And it, and it had a lot to do with the runs of the game, right, Andrew? Because, I mean, Maryland by and large was in the game 32, 34 minutes of the 40. I mean, yeah. back and forth, took the lead. They're uh, late in the third quarter, kind of uh, tussled back and forth there in that that last eight minute stand, um, you know, to get the win. Uh, I actually preferred seeing a game like that because I, I wanted to see I wanted to see how the how the team would react uh, in in adversity on the road because that I mean that place packed eighteen thousand seats in that place, which is a, a large campus arena. Like we're talking, you know, that most most arenas, you know, eight. 10, 12,000 at most. This is a big place, Xfinity Center. I think 17,950 at seats, Andrew, and every single one of them was taken. It was wild. Yeah. Um, it was also like Fox's most watched uh, women's college basketball game ever. Yeah. 1.5 million people watched on a Saturday night. And I was looking for you, man. I was looking, I was hoping to spot you, and I just, I couldn't. So it turns out, Andrew, I was I was as far from away under the hoop as as you could possibly be. So it would have to be a really really wide shot, okay. Or the basketball would have had to trickle out our way because, like, I was like in the corner, right? Oh, so like, like one one away from the corner photo well. So like I was not in the like you know side to side. I was not in the regular shot. Oh, um, I was hoping you were going to sneak down post game, and I was going to see you post game. <laughs> I, watched, I don't always watch um i don't always watch every game through to the end with all the post game and everything because there's always other games to flip to but there wasn't really anything else to flip to on a saturday night and i hear all the post game i was hoping to see you in some of the post game stuff yeah i uh so i went to the pe- uh, post game presser Set in the third row on the left hand side, and I, I mean, man, they were really limited on how many questions were were asked of the Iowa women. I think maybe seven or eight total. And, and Chad Leistakow, who I actually got to sit sit by at the game, uh, to to work by, which was pretty cool. See how he works, you know, as a professional. 
what, what he does every day. So it was it was cool to kind of pick up on some tips, pick his brain about Iowa basketball in general, or just Iowa sports, Iowa in general. Um, but uh, by the time I got the microphone, I literally got the mic, and and the guy in charge said that was the last question, and then I and then I handed it back. So, um, I mean, it is what it is. And then it turned out, Andrew, that Maryland didn't even broadcast uh, Iowa's section of the the post game presser anyway. So. That kind of pissed me off too, but whatever. I mean, I didn't get to ask my question, so it didn't matter. <laughs> they don't respect Three Beards Media in, in the Maryland University of Marylander. Oh, I, you know what though? They've treated me very well. This is the second time. This is the second time they've given me credentials with no problem whatsoever. And I'm telling you, Andrew, it was packed in the media room. It was packed in media row. Like there's like six rows of media row on one end of the baseline, Andrew, of like risers. High step risers of, I believe Chad and I were sitting in position 56 and 57 in row four. And there was a fifth row above us. So I assume there was 70, 75 people of just people working in, in press row. Those aren't counting the photogs and, and other people doing social media. The Caitlin cam that Fox did on TikTok. Right. I, I don't know. Did you see any of that? Did you did you happen to tune into any of that at all? Was it cool? Yeah, the Caitlin cam was – I like Cheesy. the concept of it, but I thought it was going to be more of like the camera wasn't going to be like zoomed in on her. I thought it, we were going to get like a cam like on her jersey, like first, like, like first person perspective, like first person shooter or something. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm playing Call of Duty, but I'm on the basketball court with Caitlin Clark, and I'm seeing what she sees. That's what I thought the Caitlin cam was going to be. And I mean, I she, I mean, she, she couldn't physically mount a piece of equipment to her, though, man. Like that, that I don't think that's possible. Like, right. We don't we, have the technology yet. We don't have the technology for something like that yet. No, no, we have the technology, Andrew. But when you're talking about like things that could influence the game, yeah, like, you know, like fair I, enough. I, I don't know. Even if it's like two or three ounces is all it weighs, or something like they're, they're not. I don't know. They're not micing them up per se. For fairness, you have you would have to have everyone else on the court wear it too, so that it's a level playing field. Hundred percent. And yeah. they're never they're never gonna go for that because I actually want I want to hear what these women say on the court. I want to see if they're as as mouthy as the men are. Yeah, I want. Um, you know how like certain events are pay per view for like boxing and UFC and all that. Yeah, I would pay extra to have people on the court on the field mic'd up and have it not be a family friendly event. You know, Get so I could hear all that stuff going on down on the court i would pay the extra to hear that kind of a thing give me give me iowa lsu rematch mic'd up in the final right. but even just like that would be any, awesome. any sporting event in general like when it's well yeah like uh, when you see all those old school nfl films it's like they got all this audio from that stuff you know like mm -hmm. that is so cool that they got that and then you know um what do they do what is the hbo hard knocks yeah, and they started doing all access for that, and that was pretty neat. Um, kind, of the, kind of the emergence of like people jumping on the on the Lions bandwagon, I think. And Dan Campbell was kind of like launched by Hard Knocks. Was it last year? Yeah, um, became a very likable team, I think. But uh, 
I, I do like those inside scoops as well, Andrew. I, I, I would like to see more of that. I just don't know how feasible it is in like real time on the court with the players. Yeah, it's probably not that feasible. <laughs> um, but yeah, we have to give a lot of credit to Hannah Stolke for last night's performance. 47 points. The program record is 48 held by Megan Gustafson and they were really trying to get her another bucket late in the game with like a minute left to try and get her to 49 and get her over the hump. And she had some opportunities too. She missed a couple layups. She missed a couple free throws. So she had a really good chance, but man, she was in a flow. Um, I think she was just a mismatch for Penn state, but she also did a really good job of what we've seen from her is running the court, beating everybody down the court. Caitlin was making a real effort to find her and force feed her the ball. So were the rest of her teammates too. But Caitlin specifically had like 16 assists. And I think all of them went to Stilke basically. Maybe a few to other people. But it seems like, um, seems like it's mainly going to be uh, Stilke for that game. But, man, she just dominated end-to-end and played a lot of minutes. And that was fun to see. And... You had the whole crowd chanting her name and like her emergence is huge for this team. Like we, we need her to emerge in that kind of way. If we're going to make a serious run in March madness. I'm i uh, I'm going to have like a little self-fulfilling prophecy here, Andrew. Um, I, I am so glad I'm right about who I thought was the, the secondary important player and who would also break out from this team and, and Hannah Stolke. I mean, geez, I mean, 47 points. Caitlin hasn't scored 47 this year, you know, no, or in her career. No, oh, she hasn't. That's right. No, she 45 hasn't. is mm-hmm. her high. She's number three, four and five. Uh, well, number four and five on the top five individual performances. Now Stolke sits alone in number two. And none of those were threes by Stolke, right? I don't think so. I don't think so either. She got I mean, old-fashioned three-point plays. Love it. But no tradition, no uh, three-point shots. Yeah. I mean, did anybody else score over double digits other than Caitlin and, and Hannah? Uh, not for Iowa. <laughs> yeah. That's what I thought. Well, wait, no. Did Kate Martin have 16? I yeah, know. Kate Martin did. Kate Martin okay. had 16 points and 16 rebounds. That's an awful quiet double-double. Yeah. <laughs> That's a huge game for Kate Martin. Yeah. Um, Sydney Fulter did a little bit of everything too. She had a couple blocks, a couple steals, seven or eight points, seven or eight rebounds. So, like, the Fulter and Kate Martin don't get the credit that they probably deserve for doing a lot of the things that just kind of like the dirty work, really. Yeah. So, let, let me ask you this, Andrew. Do, do you think that? Lisa Bluter and Caitlin Clark took the foot off the gas a little bit to break the record in Carver Hawkeye. That is the tinfoil hat theory, isn't it? It is. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't what's, think because what's the what's the number left right now for Sunday? Thirty nine. And she hasn't scored thirty. She hasn't scored forty yet this year, right? She scored forty multiple times this year. Yes. She scored forty against uh, Georgia. 
uh, Virginia Tech, not Georgia Tech. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's Virginia right. Tech. And then I want to say she did it against. Um, and she scored Indiana. 38. And she scored 38 against Maryland because she missed a layup to get 40. And I think she did 40 against Indiana and Michigan State. She did. She did. Okay. Anyway, so it's possible. But I'm wondering. I don't know. I got the tinfoil hat on. I think I would rather do it in Carver, too. Yes. Um, she probably would rather do it in Carver. But also, it's going to be a game on Sunday with Nebraska. Like, Nebraska's not really a pushover. They do have a decent program. They have a decent team. Um, we made pretty good work of them when they were in Iowa City earlier this year. And I, I think Iowa can definitely win the game against Nebraska without having to have Caitlin Clark go for 40. But... If they need her to, she will, and she won't think anything of it. I don't think they're really thinking about anything other than let's play our best basketball and win games. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's I mean, all they're about and all they should be about. Anything yeah. else doesn't really matter to them. We know she's breaking the record. It's just a matter of when and where she does it. Yeah. I think Iowa and Nebraska is kind of blossoming into a, a women's college basketball rival like i mean obviously like outside of border and the obvious right iowa nebraska whatever um the first women's game i ever went to was actually the iowa nebraska big 10 final in indy uh 2015 2014 2014 2015 i can't remember what year it was but that's when nebraska was top 10 team i think they won the big 10 tournament got a two or three seed okay um but uh it seems like Nebraska and Iowa have been pretty, pretty even outside of the Caitlin Clark, you know, four years. Yeah, uh, I would say, I would say the biggest rivalry over the past couple of years is Indiana, number one. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, maybe Ohio State or Maryland second. Probably Maryland. Maryland's uh, getting juicy. Yeah. Yeah. And but I think you know Nebraska, and then I think. Penn State is really starting to build a decent program for themselves as well. I know we kind of handled them last night, but that's a that's a decent team. That's a potential NCAA tournament team, I think. I think Nebraska is too. I think Indiana and Ohio State are for sure, but Penn State and Nebraska will probably make it from the Big Ten as well, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, I guess I haven't looked that deep yet into like women's net rankings or what they project or whatnot. No. Like they, they don't do quite the amount of bracketology as they do for the men's, and that's kind of a shame, actually, especially when you're talking about like the top sixteen teams. You know, the 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 top four teams in each seat or you know in each regional kind of yeah. have campus games, right? Campus brackets. Um, yeah. I, I'd like to see a little bit more of that. Didn't they Houston? Didn't they have a show last year of where they, where the tournament committee would come out with like the top sixteen seeds, like the last four weeks of March or like the four weeks in March or something? Didn't they do something like that? Yeah, they the women's, uh, the women's for sure. I know they did that. Yeah, I think they did that with the men too. I don't know if they're gonna do that again this year. Um, they should. That would be good. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think we're marching again towards the one seed. Um, I mean, I don't, see, I, I don't see how you – I don't see how you don't get it at this point. I think one through three is a given. 
Um, I think yeah. everybody. I think everybody below three is like tier one A or one yeah. B. One B rather. Um, I don't know. I mean, so you're talking. You're talking LSU. You're talking Iowa. You're talking South Carolina. After that, no, you're not even talking LSU. NC State. LSU yeah. has lost three or four games now. NC, it's NC State, right? And let me South pull Carolina. up uh, some quick rankings. It's South Carolina for sure, and Iowa for sure. Uh, NC State and UConn maybe are the other two. If we're looking be. at, the I know NC. I'm 90% sure NC State's number three. NC State's number three. Colorado's number four. Ohio State's number five. So it might be a, a, like that fourth one seed might be a Ohio State. Colorado, Ohio State conversation. Maybe Stanford, Texas, Kansas State right there. UCLA, USC, UConn. Kind of on that next rung down. Um that that'll be interesting. I think I, South Carolina and Iowa and NC State are probably three locks for one seeds, and then you can have a really interesting conversation about that fourth one seed for sure. between Colorado, Ohio State, and a few other teams. Yep. So it's going to be good. There's a lot of intrigue across women's basketball. Uh, anything else? I think we, I think we've reached a perfect time to hit a break here. Yeah, let's do that, man. All right, let's hear from our awesome sponsors at Revelton and Wintress. Why take the best corn in the world and make it into fuel when you could make it into whiskey? That's the question that launched Revelton, Iowa's most visible and fastest growing distillery. Owners Rob and Christy Taylor embrace the grain-to-glass philosophy, sourcing ingredients locally and overseeing on-premises production and bottling at their facility in Osceola. One sip, and you'll agree that Revelton's handcrafted whiskeys, gins, and vodkas are the best you've ever tasted. And with the launch of their rye whiskey, made with 100% Iowa-grown rye and corn, and their new bourbon coming soon, there's more Revelton to love than ever. Iowa's own Revelton Distillery. ReveltonDistillery.com The great thing about working from home is working from home. The worst thing is working from home, especially for face-to-face -face collaborations with customers and coworkers. And let's face it, coffee shop meetings are neither private nor professional. So skip the trip to Starbs and investigate Gravitate Coworking Space. For more than 10 years, Gravitate has provided large and small office and conference spaces, perfect for hosting meetings, workshops, or other events, as well as private phone booths for confidential conversations. Plus, all spaces include secure fiber internet, free coffee, and access to a kitchenette. All you need is your laptop. Gravitate does the rest. And renting space at Gravitate is surprisingly affordable. An hour of office space costs about the same as venti caramel macchiatos and breakfast sandwiches for two. Daily and monthly rates are also available with no long-term commitment. Learn more at GravitateCoworking.com. That's GravitateCoworking.com. Are you in the market for a new house and unsure of the mortgage process? Want to know that you have someone looking out for you? Kyle Lehman from Wintrust Mortgage is a down-to-earth, knowledgeable lender who can be there for you in your corner. He can work with you in any of the 50 states and is just what you need to expand your home search. Kyle will work with you through the entire process with little to no work from you. Take the worry of the mortgage process out of the equation so that you can focus on looking for your dream home. 
Contact Kyle at www.wintrust.com forward slash Kyle dash Lehman or call him at 515-473-0546. Welcome back in. Thank you as always to Revelton, Gravitate, and Kyle Lehman and Wintrust. Appreciate them for sponsoring the show. And Drew, let's uh, flip the script to football. We have a new offensive coordinator since the last time that we spoke in it is Tim Wester, uh, most recently in college at, at Western Michigan, and then spent last year as an analyst with Green Bay Packers, has some time at Syracuse as well. Um, I know that uh, both of us were less than thrilled, at least initially. I've kind of come around on it. I don't know where you're at on it at this moment in time, but let's before we even talk about Tim Lester himself or his press conference or anything like that, let's go back to kind of where we were at before someone was even named and what were our qualifications for an Iowa offensive coordinator? What exactly did we say we wanted out of an offensive coordinator? Okay. So we wanted play calling experience first and foremost, right? Yep. I think that was number one. We, we wanted necessary. We wanted, somebody maybe younger that was going to be outside of the box. Somebody okay. that's not going to be a yes man to Kirk. Right. Um, I mean, but I, I guess between those two things, I, I, I think that's, I can't say it's the majority of it, but I think, you know, that's where I would start. Right. Yeah. Here's, here's a couple of other things. I think we talked about and what I wanted someone who has experience developing quarterbacks. Yep. Someone who has experience developing wide receivers. And who is willing to modernize the offense, specifically run pass option. Okay. Well let let, let me ask you this, Andrew, before you go any further. Yeah, go ahead. What does an analyst really do? Right? Because I know let, let's just be upfront here. You are a Packers fan. Yeah. Okay. Do you think his role had anything to do with Jordan Love's growth at the NFL level? Like, what does what what does analyst mean? Like, help me help me understand that. Did he help the growth of Jordan Love? Did he help the growth of Romeo Dobbs and and Christian Watson? Like, did he help actually help those folks? Like. No. So okay. what his role was with Green Bay was actually on the defensive side of the ball. He would sp- he actually spent a year studying uh, every one of Green Bay's opponents and gave his feedback, his analysis, if you will, about each and every one of Green Bay's opponents' offenses. So he's a scout team, yeah. Let's go, team. In a sense. In a sense. Okay. That's interesting. So it is. It is. Um, but it does give you maybe a little bit of a different perspective. His play calling experience comes from his time at Western Michigan, and then also his time at Purdue, his time at Syracuse, to an extent. Um, to, to be fair, it's one of the better directional schools in the MAC. Like, yeah, speaking, like, they're not, 
it's still the Mac, but like we're not talking like Eastern Michigan, who's like three wins. You know, we're not talking uh, the the current Northern Illinois, which I mean, they're a shell of themselves. They used to compete with Iowa all the time in those non-con games. They were awesome, um, but they've fell off since then. Like Western Michigan, over the last decade, I would venture to guess is a winning program. Yeah. Yeah, winning program. Um, and I'll toss it. We talked about this privately, and I'll say it here again. He uh, had a, a knack at Western Michigan specifically for finding and developing NFL wide receivers. Dwayne Eskridge, Jaden Reed, Sky Moore, all those guys went in the second round. Now, they've had varying degrees of success in the NFL, but he was the one to identify them. And in a lot of cases, developed them. Um, the quarterback at uh, John Wessink, I believe, was up for the award that Jack Campbell won the year that Justin Herbert won it. Um, what I really liked about what he said in his press conference and about what he showed specifically at Western Michigan when he was calling the plays was he was able to adapt to what he had. Yeah. So he was able to find success with whatever talent it was that he had at Western Michigan. And they, uh, I think they beat Pittsburgh in 2021 when Pittsburgh had Kenny Pickett. I think they put up more points on Michigan in 2021 than we did. I mean, I mean, Pittsburgh has been like one of the most overrated football teams over the last decade. Sure. <laughs> but sure. And how, yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. I understand. Yeah. I think there's some things to like, so I don't think it's like this terrible, awful high. I think it's, it's more solid. It's not maybe the most exciting thing, but I think it's solid. And he did mention, you know, in his press conference, RPOs and keepers and stuff like that. He said, that's going to be a part of our offense. I really liked what he said about wide receivers. I asked him a question about wide receivers. He said, we're going to adapt our route trees based off what the defense is showing us. That's something that Brian France never did. It was the same route trees, no matter the opponent, no matter the defense. And those route trees were bad. Yeah. We would have three guys running to the same spot. Well, that's easy to cover. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you're playing zone. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but I also like, there's some things that make sense for Kirk Ferentz, and I see why Kirk hired the guy, because he has said, you know, we have to commit to running the ball first. If we can't run the ball, we can't really do anything. And he had successful running offenses. And, 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 and in fact, run first offenses in Western Michigan. Yeah, but they weren't inept passing offenses either, though. No. They were successful to varying yeah. degrees with the passing game. So... I think that's about all we can ask for. And then he talked about the year that they no huddled and led almost led the country in time of possession, but they never huddled one time. <laughs> that's attractive to Kirk Ferentz, but that's different. That's not the same thing. That's not yeah. the same vanilla huddle up, run the same. I have a feeling he's going to put uh, Iowa in the pistol formation or the shotgun formation a lot more often and we're going to run the ball from those formations a lot more often yeah i've 
I don't know. Philosophically speaking, I've had a problem running the ball out of shotgun. Yeah. And, and the reason be, is you're starting six yards behind the line of scrimmage before you even get the ball. Mm-hmm. There, I, I feel like there's little momentum running to the line of scrimmage. I, I feel like running the ball maybe to the outsides, to the boundaries, is probably more successful out of the shotgun than maybe maybe – an occasional draw. I don't know. Um, I, I I think the overall point, Andrew, is you're coming around on Tim Wester. I'm kind of like, I'll believe it when I see it. I I think the the most logical like path here is I think it's probably somewhere down the middle, Andrew. I think there's going to be significant improvement because you literally cannot be worse, right? right. Literally cannot be worse in the last five years in the Brian Ferentz era. There's got to be improvement. Have all these pieces put together, put back together for 2023, 2024 football season. I, I, there's, there's going to be improvement because there has to be, right? Um, going to be better in the passing game. What's K. McNamara's status coming into the fall? What's going on there? Um, with that being said, Vegas isn't respecting the Iowa, the Iowa Hawkeyes because. I saw the total number today. Have you seen it? Yeah. Go hammer. Go hammer the over. It's go hammer be- the over with plus money on seven and a half. Don't even blink about that. Seven Don't and even- a half. If we can do 10 wins with the offense that we had last year and we're and we improve even the slightest bit. The ceiling, the, 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 the floor is eight, Andrew. Like shit has to go catastrophically wrong yeah. to win less than eight games next year with that yep. defense, with the defense alone. Right. If we Washington, have the 100. Washington, Washington has a total of zero returning starters. That game looks, that game looks a lot more juicy in Kinnick stadium. Right. UCLA on the road. Well, fuck, they just lost Chip Kelly, which we didn't even bring up. Yeah, we were. I was gonna get there. I was gonna. So, was so gonna... Here we go. We, we go full circle because with, with this Tim Lester thing, you know, you kind of had a, a, a hint earlier in this process of finding an OC that Chip Kelly may or may not have been a mystery candidate for the Iowa job, and this kind of like the fact that this has happened makes it seem like it's more true than not to me, Andrew. Like he probably yeah. did do that. Why? Why are you leaving? You're coming to the Big Ten. Are you just worried that UCLA is just going to be the the laughing stock? They're going to be the the Rutgers of the West. Like what? Going- what? I don't understand. Alumni and uh, big time donors wanted him out after this year, and they kept him around. But really, it comes down to like, well, a few guys just don't want to do the head coach thing anymore. Like Chip Kelly just doesn't want to do the head coach thing anymore. And he might, and he might be getting paid the same amount of money to be an OC at Ohio State. Which, by the way, then Bill O'Brien took the Boston College job today. So, like, what is going right. on? What is going on? Because both of those guys, in my opinion, were candidates. Well, not both, not Chip Kelly. Bill O'Brien was my guy. Chip Bill Kelly was, was the guy that you kind of had the the hunch that was a third candidate. Bill, I wanted Bill O'Brien personally. Yeah. The. You you want to know who the who the four I think were I think it was Chris, Lester, Luke Getzey, 
and Chip Kelly were the top four. And you know what's funny about that, Andrew? Is Luke Getzey's going to fucking stick it to me again because I'm a Raider fan. I don't know if I've told you this. I'm sorry. Not. I'm so sorry, man. I am so effed, man. Like I'm so sorry. Yeah. yeah. But um, hey, yeah, I got Cliff Kingsbury out here in D.C., though, so I got that to look forward to on the NFC side. There you go. Um, but <laughs> I think we're going to see that trend because Jeff Halfley left his job at Boston College to be the defensive coordinator of Green Bay, and when he left, he said – yeah, I was done with the recruiting, the NIL, the everything. I was tired of all that. I couldn't just coach football. All I want to do is coach football, and I don't I don't care about all the other stuff. I think we might see some sort of a trend of head coaches leave for NFL jobs because they don't want the wild, wild west landscape of college football, the year-round wild, wild west yeah. of college football in their lives anymore. There's, like, no downtime well, yeah, and, and and wasn't he a legacy Boston College player as well? Like, we're, so we're so. so like we're looking at people that have done that to their own schools. Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan, right? Mm-hmm. And I and I think there's something more to be had about that when it's all said and done, Andrew. I think it's mm-hmm. going to be like a it's going to be more like a, a a Pete Carroll exodus from USC, where he's going to leave Michigan holding the shit bag of all these violations that are going to come down later down the line of where Michigan's not going to be allowed in postseason play for three years or something and not going to get the recruits. Like Pete Carroll left USC in absolute shambles and have not been on that level since. They have not, you know? So, like, Jim Harbaugh may have done more harm than good in the long run with one title, you know, for for the greatest program in in college football history, right? The most wins, the winningest college football team ever. Um might have left him in shambles here in the next decade or two moving down the line, I think. Totally. Um, well, let's get back to let's get back to what you said about Cade's health. Um, I know for a fact that Iowa and the spring portal is going to go after a quarterback. It's just there it's it's happening. Like they're going after a transfer quarterback in the spring portal when it opens. They're gonna try and find someone that can compete with. Cade potentially or and or be the quality backup. They're going after that. They're going after an X wide receiver. And what I mean by an X wide receiver is a six four, you know, big target on the outside guy, a guy that can play exclusively outside. Love Caleb Brown, but he's right around six feet tall. He's more, he's a really great wide receiver. Slot, slot. Like slot inside guy, and he's yeah. gonna really excel at that. But Iowa needs a big target on the outside that they haven't had since Brandon Smith. Brandon Smith was the last one who was able to, you know, like do do any of that sort of stuff. And we didn't really use him properly, but um, we can find that. And I have a little bit of confidence that Tim Lester can find a way, if we give him that, to use those people and at least make our offense some – Somewhat more successful. I have a little bit more confidence that would be a little bit successful on offense. And like you said, it can't get much worse. But let's just say Iowa has the 100th best offense next year in all of college football. I think they'll be a little bit better than that. I think they'll be closer to top 80. I think they'll be like 80th right around there. And that's going to be pretty darn good. Um, But, yeah, that would equate to at least nine wins probably next year. 
I'm telling you right now, Andrew, my bold statement here on February 9th, 2024, is if we have a top 80 offense, we are in the college football playoff next year. I fully agree with you, and I don't even know. We're only talking top 12. How often have we been in the top 16 with shit offense? Shit offense. Right. You're talking right. 80? You're talking 80. You're talking top third, right? Top half, I guess, ish. Is it 136 in power Power five football? What is yeah, it? Yeah, I think we're up to 136. Okay, so half-ish? I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Middle top of the 80, road. Average. Middle of the road. Top 80 college football playoff is is within reach. There's no doubt and about it. Potentially even hosting a college football playoff game if things fall right. Now that'd be pretty wild. <laughs> I, I think, I mean, I think I could see 11 wins, a loss to Ohio State. Yeah. If we are able to be that competent on offense. I mean, who else, who else is going to beat you? Like I, I listened to Miller and Condon yesterday, kind of like quick predict um, the schedule, like, or, and like the lines. Cause you know, they, they love their gambling and so do I, but yeah. like, Ohio State's going to be the only game they're the underdog in all year. Iowa State's, so. Iowa State's at home. Washington's at home. Wisconsin's at home. And we beat them there last year. Yeah. Uh, UCLA in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. I mean, we don't have USC. We don't have Oregon. We don't have Penn State, Michigan. I think Michigan State's going to be a lot better than expected. I like their coach. I like what they've done in the offseason. But I don't think they're like an unbeatable juggernaut. I think they're North, gonna... North Northwestern might be the toughest. Northwestern will be good. North, I like Northwestern's offensive coordinator, and they've got the right head coach. They've I think Northwestern, right... Northwestern might be the toughest game outside of Ohio State. Nah, I take that back. Iowa State will be. But toughest conference game. I think Michigan State's going to be our toughest game outside of Ohio State. You think so? And then Northwestern. Okay. I can if buy. I, have I, can, rank. I can buy that. I I just I hate Michigan State after 2015. After what they did to us, I hate them. True. Yeah, I don't really like them much either. But <laughs> um, I like their head coach though. I like Jonathan Smith. I think he's a great dude. I think he's a great coach. So. I'm looking forward to playing them this year. Fair enough. Um, all right. Uh, men's basketball, if we want to hit on it quick. Uh, last night, I think, ruined any outside chance of the NCAA tournament and barring a Big Ten tournament championship somehow. Like, I, I don't think it's realistic. You have the schedule up, Andrew. Can you can you bring up the schedule and let's take a look at when like, – if we can put it actually on the podcast and we can we can WNL this thing out. Let's WNL this thing out then. Yeah, I like because, that. Because, I mean, they're three and five in the Big Ten. They're 13 and, 13 and uh, 10 overall. 13 and 10, and they are um, – Three and five? Five and seven in the Big Ten. Five and seven. Okay. Yeah, two games under 500. Home game on Sunday against Minnesota at two o'clock on the Big Ten Network. I think I will rebound and win that game. I have some confidence there. 
So we'll say 14 and 10, six and seven at Maryland, Valentine's Day. Not I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not going either. Yeah. And it's not, I'm not confident about that one. Maryland is a lot like Iowa, actually. Like they have potential, but they have no consistency. They have like no go to. Like, I mean, we have Tony Perkins, right? Like Tony Perkins, would you say Tony Perkins is our number one? Yeah, he's proven himself to be our, our best player. Um, then Peyton Sanford kind of runs hot and, hot and cold. And then I think really Josh Dix has been playing really good basketball and we really need him to be kind of be that third guy. Yeah, because be unfortunately Owen Freeman's kind of reeling it in a little bit. Freshman. I mean, he's a freshman, freshman, so he's freshman. just kind of like they're they're getting the they're getting the game plan, if you will, right? Like people have the the sophomore slump per se, right? Like people get the book on you. I, I, yeah, I think, I think they might have got a little on them now. I don't know, maybe. Okay, so I'm gonna for the Maryland game. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say a loss. loss. I'm gonna say yeah. Loss. I'm gonna say loss to 14 and 11, six and eight. Wisconsin at home. Loss. Yeah, probably, but they did just go on the road and lose to Michigan. Are they lost three straight conference games too? Yeah. Wisconsin's maybe sliding back a little bit. I give us a chance in that one. I think Iowa pulls that one out. So I'll I'll put them at 15-11. Actually, you know what? You can okay. I'll you convince me. We'll do that. Trust right. me, there's a little more losses coming up from me, so it's it's fine <laughs> if I give them all if I give them a win here. Okay. Uh, at Michigan State, uh, well, no, yeah, go. fifteen and twelve, seven and nine, at this point. At Illinois, no, fifteen no. and thirteen, seven and ten. Penn State at home, I, I think I Iowa can, can get that one. So sixteen and thirteen, eight and ten. Um. At Northwestern, Northwestern's an NCAA tournament team. I don't feel good about that one. So 16 and 14, and then I believe 8 and 11. Uh, home against Illinois to end the season on the 10th of March. I strangely think we'll win that one. <laughs> so 9 and 11. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. 9 and 11, 18 and 13. Stop the madness. Dude, if, if if they do that, they get that they get the quad one win against Illinois at home. Two quad one wins with Wisconsin and uh, Illinois. There's no fucking oh my god. If that if that happens, they're on the bubble, Andrew. They're not on the bubble with that. 18, 18 and 13, 9 and 11 in the Big Ten with two quad one wins in the final week and a half. I disagree. We'll see, but I it's don't about, think it's, it's about who it's about who you beat at this point, Andrew. It's about who you beat at this point because we've seen sub five hundred teams in the Big Ten schedule get 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 the get the nod all the time in those eleven, you know, those eleven seven get or eleven six games, seven ten games. I think I think there would still be work to be done in the Big Ten tournament. I think they'd still have to win two games in the Big oh, Ten. Oh, for sure, for sure. Like the standard to me, like growing up, was twenty wins. Like twenty wins was. Like the mandatory requirement to make the, to make the dance, like right, and it never was. It's just what I thought it was, right. Um, 
and I still think to that to this day that I think 20 wins is is the benchmark a requirement. It's not a guarantee by any means, as we've seen before, you know, <laughs> the groups of five, the mid majors winning 28, 29 games and not making it, which is a travesty right. um, to let in, uh, you know, 17 and 13 Boston college or some bullshit. Syracuse. Syracuse. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. A blue, a blue blood. Yeah. Per se. Uh, and then they go on a magical run to the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight from the first four. Um, but I think I will win one Big Ten tournament game and lose the second. And so 19 and four. 19 and 14, 9 and 12 in the Big Ten. Yeah. And that will put That's them in, in the NIT. Be NIT two, three seed, probably. Yeah. Two or three seed in the NIT. And they'll win a few games in the NIT, maybe even make it. To the final four, who knows? But and that's it's, that's fine. It's, it's, it's interesting you say that, Andrew, right? Because I didn't we play didn't we play Oregon in the final of the NIT the year before we played Oregon in the NCAA tournament? I don't think so. We played Oregon on our way to the final of the NIT where we eventually lost to Baylor. Oh, it was Baylor. That's who it was. That's right. Yeah. That's right. We played Oregon on their home court and destroyed them in the That's right. that, uh, that ugly ass court. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Roy Roy Devin Marble went off. <laughs> one of the one of one of the few times. I'm sorry, I've never been a, a Dev Marble fan. Oh, dude, I love Dev Marble. He was great. <sighs> he was fun. He wouldn't even take he wouldn't even make my top hundred Hawkeyes ever. Oh shoot. No. Hopefully he's not listening to this right now. He might he he might be man because he's not playing ball. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I love Roy Dev. Roy Dev, man. I do, I do not. I never have. That was my dude. Oh man. Okay. Let's move on. Okay. Okay. <laughs> let's, hey, actually, actually, let's give let's give a little love, Andrew. We round rounded out basketball and we talked football. Let's talk about a couple non-revenue sports that we got coming up. Let's talk sure. about let's talk about number one Penn State at number three Iowa wrestling tonight. I believe they hit the mat here in uh, a couple yeah. hours, eight p.m. Central, I believe, at Carver Hawkeye Arena. Yeah. Um, coming off that dual loss to Michigan, though, they just got absolutely crushed, almost embarrassed, really. Um, I, I don't know what to expect from that. I think I think Penn State will probably handle business as they have in Carver Hawkeye uh, over the last decade. Uh, I would Iowa doesn't have the horses this year, especially with the gambling investigation uh, suspensions to, yeah. to be included. Uh, you know, both of these non-revenue teams that I'm talking about, uh, baseball is going to be next, uh, really got hammered hard with this investigation stuff. So um, I, wrestling trending down perhaps uh, coming mm -hmm. off that Michigan loss. Baseball trending up, Andrew, number, uh, number 20 in the country in the preseason uh, poll. Uh, and, and weirdly, baseball doesn't have an AP poll. They have like a Baseball America poll. So like, it's not like even like an right. official like deal because they're probably all ran by the Southern schools. So you know, SEC runs baseball, right? Um, as they should. So I mean, given the nod to Iowa at number twenty in the preseason is saying something pretty big. Uh, to a northern school, typically Iowa has to start a season like thirteen and two, fifteen and three before they even start getting votes. It seems like, 
uh, in March and April. Uh, looking forward to the Big Ten, or, you know, the Big Ten baseball season, and uh, a little a little breaking news to the Hawks Eye View Pod. Mr. Drew Shipley will be live on location at the Jacksonville Baseball Showcase, and it's a loaded, loaded card, loaded bracket, Andrew. Yes. We're That's talking fun. Virginia. We're talking Virginia. We're talking Wichita State. We're talking Auburn. Okay, and, and the Iowa Hawkeyes. So we're talking Iowa Virginia potential top fifteen matchup uh, down in Jacksonville. Looking forward to that on a Friday night. 6 p.m. The schedule's out. Uh, I wish I had the website ready to go, but Darn. Uh, any anybody wants to go to Jacksonville with me at the end of uh, February here, uh, actually two weeks from today, um, we're going to see some awesome baseball, early season baseball of some quad one wins, potentially uh, Virginia, Auburn, Wichita State, perennial powerhouses, man, and I look forward to it. Okay, I'm glad you know about wrestling and about baseball because admittedly those are things i have <laughs> no knowledge complete ignorance on i know about iowa's history in wrestling and how great they are and how great they've been in the dan gable era i know who you know i can i can name all the famous names right from iowa wrestling history i know that but i don't know like the ins and outs of the sport same thing with iowa baseball i know how great heller ball has been for Iowa, I know about Brody Brecht. I just, I just don't know enough about like the polls and how the sport of baseball works at the college level to even talk intelligently about it. So I'm glad we have you co-hosting here to be able to talk intelligently about these things. Um, so you mentioned quad one. So is it a similar system in baseball to like basketball? Quad one, quad two, three, four. So, so it's. Yeah, kind of. So they're like more more along the lines of the RPI system and not the net rankings. So like kind of a okay. I don't know, kind of a evolution behind as far as is ranking baseball schedules and whatnot. Um it's it's really hard to do, Andrew, when you only play teams like especially the non conference teams, you only play them once. You know, you play them in these one off tournaments. How how much is that way? You only play, you know, top ten Indiana like one series a year, three games, anything can happen there. So it's like, it's hard to, it's hard to gauge what wins matter more in baseball because it's not 162 games like major league baseball is. It's not a, it's not a decisive, you know, Iowa beat Michigan state 11, four in the series, you know, one 11 yeah. games lost four. like, it's nothing like that. You know what I mean? So it's, I think it's harder to grade and harder to rate teams like that um, with, you know, one, two, or three games being played per season in the matchups. So, um, but yes, to answer your question, long-winded, uh, more of an RPI system, um, who they've played, conference strength schedule, win defer or point differential, run differential, I guess, um, stuff like that. It's more... It's more like the the RPI of old in baseball. Got it. That thank you for filling me in. I'll try to pay more attention this year. We might need to in the dog days of summer, Andrew, because uh, basketball is going to be over here in about a month and a half, and uh, hit spring ball, and then after that, man. Like, did you even know since the last time we talked, Andrew, that they had signing day in football? 
Oh, uh, yeah. National Signing Day was GS this week, right? Tuesday, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe so. Isn't that wild that we didn't even, like, that wasn't even a topic? Like, we didn't even, like, it's so meaningless. <laughs> yeah. A lot of things for Iowa are wrapped up. We aren't, like, usually major players for, like, late flips or anything like that. We're not usually doing that kind of stuff. And we've, in a lot of senses, and that was about 2024, in a lot of senses, like, we've moved on to 2025 recruiting in football and basketball now where we don't even, like, 2024 is all wrapped up. 2024 is a great class, though. 31, 31-24-7 ranking, I think. Yeah, uh, and eight guys that have a four-star rating. So yeah. by two four seven sports, if you it gets a little iffy with recruiting, but I generally look at two four seven sports. I feel like they have the most in-depth coverage. Like they have multiple dedicated people for each and every team, and so they are able to watch sure. a lot of high school kids. And I feel like they have the most in-depth, yeah, stuff. Um, so. So, so what I will promise you moving forward, Andrew, I, when baseball season gets gets to rolling, I'll provide a little uh, a recap of, of, of a weekend series, whatnot. Actually get some player interaction, you know, player stats, what's going on. We'll, we'll see if I can brush you up on the on the staff, the pitching staff, uh, what Rick Heller's doing. We're going to try to get some baseball content here in the dog days of summer when, when things are slow. Love it. Uh, my goal is to make it to a game at Dwayne Banks Field because I feel like that would be fun. I mean, and the, didn't they just announce the renovation of Dwayne Banks Field too? So they're, that is coming shortly, I believe, like a $10, $15 million renovation at Dwayne Banks. Yeah, yeah they did because um, it's needed and I can't I can't wait. So I mean, I mean, honestly, it looks like a city field right now. Like it's not like it's not a great – stadium environment sure so hopefully they're able to in this update make it a lot better in that For sure. regard and it, all, all the proofs and everything all the pictures and stuff it looks pretty awesome sweet i love yeah. it because yeah. this iowa team deserves it because they've had a lot of success and no looks like they're going to continue having a lot of success i even saw some i can't remember who it was some uh, predictions about Iowa being a dark horse team to make it to Omaha. I, I don't know if I'll go that far, but man, like, they've been saying that for like the last three or four years, Andrew. Okay. Uh, okay. Iowa has been a popular pick to make it to Omaha. Uh, I will tell you right now, uh, if that happens, I'm going and I don't even give a shit when or how much like it, we both got to go on the road. Three beards, media Hawks eye view live it's from, yeah, uh, I would say I would say Rosenblatt Stadium, but it's not Rosenblatt anymore. Uh, they moved it elsewhere. Uh, what's it called? Got it. Yeah. Anyway, doesn't matter. If they make it, yeah, I think uh, a lot of Fox games. I view live from Omaha is coming to a yeah a podcast like near you. Yeah, so. love it. All right. Well, with that, we are going to get on out of here on a Friday night. Thank you to everybody who listened live. Thank you to everybody who's going to listen after we put the recording out there. We appreciate each and every one of you. Appreciate all of our sponsors. Thank you for supporting us. And as always, go Hawks. Go Hawks, baby. Let's go.